let me invite up for us, and I'd ask you to give a very warm welcome to our lead pastor who's going to be sharing a message with us today, Josh Williams. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Happy Easter, everyone. I mean, Daniqua warmed y'all up. Come on. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, let's go. So that's going to be the beginning of our celebration today because we should really spend some time from the front celebrating. We got through the darkest nights of the year. Like, let's celebrate because of that, right? We got through the coldest times of the year. It's warmer now, right? Like, I know some people are like, come on, it's still a little cold. But like, no, it's warmer. You know, we got through snow and sleet and hail. And for those of you that saw like Friday was snowing, like I'm just talking about Friday, like, but we got through a lot of that together. But we actually got through multiple pandemics, right? There's the pandemic of the virus, but I feel like this day today, we know that we've gotten through a lot more than that. We've been woken up, made aware. We can actually join the black woman poet, Lucille Clifton, who says, come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and failed. Some of us are aware of that vulnerability already. Some of us are learning what that means. We are here together, feeling what it means to be together again as a church community. And the weather thankfully is beautiful. Praise God for that. God has authored the story of resurrection in the seasons of our city. And that same God can author the story of resurrection in your life. That's the word for today. Will you let Jesus bring the resurrection story everywhere in your life? Will you let him do that? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Thank you for each one gathered here. Reluctantly, excitedly, new, old. Thank you, God, for each life that is here for everyone that can hear the sound of my voice, Lord, would you speak even louder than me today? Would your Holy Spirit come and have your way? In the name of Jesus, amen. 15 months ago, we would not have guessed that a virus would have had an impact in almost every area of our life, our work, our relationships, our love life, our travel, our hope, and our faith. But with the possibility of all of this changing, hopefully soon, by the grace of God, there's a question, who puts the pieces back together? How do we reset? And are we ready for it? Here's my word for you today. Will you let the resurrection of Jesus touch every single area of your life? I actually believe that the resurrection is already pressed up against you. But will you say yes to resurrection and let it go deeper in you? This is only possible because of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of his shed blood for you and for me. And that can seem like an odd phrase, especially if you're not familiar with it, the blood. What, what does that mean? But there's something Jesus did for us that actually extends possibility. And it changes everything around us. In preparation of this day, we've been looking at this ancient sermon in the Bible in a book called Hebrews, and it speaks to the power of Jesus's blood spilled in sacrifice to change everything around us. 
It's found in that book, chapter 12, verse 24. And it says this, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus and his sacrificial blood is the connection between this promise of everlasting life and everything that life can throw at us. Everything we felt this past year, loneliness, depression, sadness, frustration, anxiety. Jesus and his sacrificial blood connects us to life everlasting, even with all that junk. That's powerful stuff. That's the blood of Jesus. Then there's this other blood, the blood of Abel, a reference to the first murder in the story of God in the Bible. Abel was murdered in cold blood by his own brother Cain. Abel did not come back to life. His life ended there. His life did not bring about reconciliation. Instead, it brought a cycle of violence that has repeated itself from generation to generation. This is the blood that confirms the lie that death and violence will always win. The blood of Abel, or what I'll call the blood of violence, speaks violence and forever death over us and over our communities. But Jesus' blood speaks life and life to the fullest. It goes through the violence of death, but unlike the blood of Abel, it overcomes violence with life and with love. Now, here's the kicker. I just want to explain this for us because I feel like it's going to set up the rest of our time together with a deep sobriety, but also with some crazy hope. The people who follow Jesus, like Jesus in the flesh, the people who saw miracles, who saw explosions of generosity, people with power and privilege laying it down at the feet of Jesus. Catch this. Those people who saw Jesus raise people from the dead, they heard Jesus himself say that he would be raised from the dead. Those people, almost all of them, believe the blood of Abel spoke the last word over Jesus. Do you, do you follow me? Those people who saw wonders and Jesus beating back death on several occasions either betrayed Jesus or wept as he died. They gave him a tomb. They visited him to continue the funeral rites of their tradition. They thought the blood of Abel pulled its tricks over Jesus himself. And this crowd saw Jesus. They heard Jesus. They touched Jesus. And they saw many who he delivered and healed and some he even raised from the dead. And yet they believed the blood of Abel spoke a better word. That blood of violence spoke a better word. That's what we're up against today, church. The ordinariness of the blood of Abel, this ancient form of violence that turns brother against brother, that causes enmity between genders, starts wars over resources, stirs up violence across ethnic lines, across the globe. Jesus' own disciples thought that that blood had won. The disciples were at best ready for a statue of Jesus. They were ready to turn his words into golden commands. They were gearing up with a hearty effort at how to turn his dead life into their alive witness. Can I tell you something true today? That's not a life of resurrection, actually. And if that life seems like our own, we have been all too easily satisfied. This past year has been difficult for so many of us, and that's been true for me. You know, everything flipped, upended, changed, and it's one thing just to complain about that happening in the church and trying to do church differently, which of course was part of my reality, and that was a little hard. But also some, some other things happened personally to me too. Losing my grandfather and wondering, how can I be with my family? 
How do I stay connected? How do I stay grounded? And I didn't know. Seeing this racial injustice publicly happen in our community and then thinking, okay, it's just gonna be one, right? And then it'll be done, Ahmaud Arbery. Then we learned, wait, he had already passed and Breonna Taylor had already been killed too. And then waiting for some kind of relief, George Floyd gets killed and murdered. And then people say, how is this happening? I haven't seen this before. As I can think of name after name where I've cried, I've been upset, but it seemed like it was the first time it had happened for some people. It's been a hard year. The last few months I've been processing with people, what will it mean to go back? And what does it mean to come back fully present? And I've been thinking a lot to myself and I've been telling people, I don't know how to live my life fully present to God, fully present with the hope of this resurrection. It's felt costly to me to be fully alive and process these things. Whether we're talking about a death from the news or a death in our family, our own mistakes, it's felt costly to me how we can process all of that. And my friends have said the same. They've wondered, how do we do this thing called living life awake and alive to resurrection? What does that mean for us? Actually, I was at the beach earlier today, just being with God in preparation for this message and for today. And that, that part of the sermon came back to me. What does it mean to be fully present and fully alive? And I was in the depths of that, you know, I'd like to say glory and moment with God where I'm just with God and it's all good. I look out the corner of my eye and I see, wait, is that guy right by my jacket? Wait, is he like digging in the pockets of, wait, is he like stealing from me right now? And so I just go, hey, hey, that's my jacket. And the guy's like, okay. I'm like, wait, but like, what's, go what's going on? So I go closer and I'm like, wait, are you stealing from me? And he's like, well, I mean, like, I just, there's some nickels here. I'm like, wait, you know there's nickels because you're in the pocket. Like, you're in my stuff. And he goes like, well, I mean, you really shouldn't leave your shoes out because like someone could steal them. I'm like, someone like you, like, what? And then he just sort of walks away and I'm like, well, I guess maybe you needed it. So like, I, I didn't say bless you. Sorry about that. God forgive me. I said, I guess someone needed it, right? He's like, I, just, I didn't take anything. As I look, I'm like, there's definitely cash that is not here. And I'm like, what are you doing, God? I'm trying to literally reflect on this message for today. And I feel like I can't even be present to that. And now I'm thinking I have to be present to like, what does it mean that someone robbed for me? And like, I'm trying to lean into nonviolence as some of you all know, like what, what's going on? I'm like, it is costly to live a life fully present to God. I still have some work to do about that. I need prayer later on in their gathering. That was a lot. Thank you, Someone got, someone's got me, I like that. But that's our lives, right? situations either on the news or in our personal lives, things that are surprised to us. And we can either cut the corner and take some shortcuts. But when we do that, I think we always let the blood of violence, that blood of Abel win. That's just how people are. That's just how our city is. People won't care about lives that aren't their own if they don't look the same in terms of their skin color. We can easily do some shortcuts. But when we do that, the life that we have in front of us, I don't think is a beautiful life anymore. It's not the life that we would want, but it just feels like it's the only thing that's possible. Maybe that's some of where the disciples were for them. We wanted to believe, but Josh, really we lost our friend gruesomely. How could we? They were confused. Let's look at a picture from the gospel of Luke chapter 24, where we see the disciples and where they were after Jesus died and what happens after the resurrection. This is verse one and 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
When they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes bowed their faces, stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other woman with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The women learned about Jesus' resurrection, and they had to be reminded by these angels, don't look for the living among the dead. Even with the testimony of these courageous witnesses, the men said, these words seem to be an idle tale. And they didn't believe them. Where do you look for the living among the dead in your own life? Where in your life does the power of resurrection seem just an idle tale? It all seems so distant, so disconnected, and so fanciful when you reflect on the very real pain of your own life, the very real pain of the world around us. The blood of violence limited the imagination of what was possible to the early disciples of Jesus. Does the blood of violence limit our own imagination, even here today at a sunny and bright and amazing Easter gathering? Does it stop us from imagining and practicing resurrection? Does it do that? When we hear about another Asian American brutalized, do we stop imagining? When we see or hear another extreme weather event due to climate change, do we stop imagining? When we hear news from a friend about someone else in our community who's hurt someone, maybe through careless words or purposeful harm, do we stop imagining resurrection? And when that same person harms us, do we kind of get fist up and say, oh, we're definitely not imagining resurrection anymore. When we cannot imagine our hope for our own story, do we stop imagining resurrection? Whether that violent blood is far or near or felt internally, whether we have received pain or caused it, do we stop imagining resurrection and start believing in another gospel? in another form of rescue that is not the rescue of Jesus. Perhaps we adopt a false gospel of racial superiority. Maybe we choose a false gospel of isolation until we feel safe. There's the gospel of justification. You know you're right, and you'll just wait for everyone else around you to realize it. And of course, there's the false gospel of violence, being against others so much that at a certain point, you'll move against them, and you'll make them feel it. Easter, today, Resurrection Sunday is all about regaining the capacity once again to believe in the impossible, to believe the unimaginable, to believe what others say is too good to be true. And that starts with our own story and it moves outward. And our story, again, I gotta keep it real for y'all, our story has an awful truth to it. But out of that horror is the most beautiful reality we could ever know. The truth that the blood of violence is not something out there that has hurt us only once but that it lives within us, that it has done real work to provide for us. This land we're resting on, this school behind me, the ways we have pushed others out of the way, literally and figuratively, to get where we are right now, and that we would be the first ones to deny any of that. And yet, 
The blood of Jesus chooses to wipe that clean. But Jesus wants our participation. Resurrection demands our participation. A lonesome wish by ourselves for resurrection isn't enough. We need to hope for resurrection in and with Jesus because he's proven it works. He got up. He is alive. He is risen. But what if we have to do more than just shout that aloud one day of the year? What if we have to take steps of trust? We have to receive the gift of Jesus' blood to live differently, to live freely, to live abundantly. Receiving a gift still involves positioning yourself, especially against the lie that a free gift is simply not real. To be clear, the work here is not rescuing yourself. The work is imagining that rescue is even a possibility. This is the most dangerous lie the blood of violence tells. It says that this, since there's such scarcity, that because you're so unloved, that someone else is so at fault for your problems, that rescue for you is simply not a possibility. That is not true. That is the lie of the blood of violence. Are we willing to imagine and hope in places where we've let the blood of violence have the final word in our lives for so long? Are you willing to imagine a different way today? Are you willing to participate with God in a different way today? Jesus knew the lure and power of this lie. That's why even in the first hours of appearing to the disciples, he invited their participation into the resurrection. He had already been raised, but he's inviting them into the resurrection because we can be invited in by Jesus. He helped them build trust in the resurrection and the fact that he had won, that life won over death. The Gospel of Luke continues and puts it this way. This is in 36. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and at my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Jesus, he asked about their fears and doubts. He invites them to look at his hands, at his feet. He says, touch me and see. He even has table fellowship with them. What kind of grub you got? What y'all cooking up? If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, then what does resurrection look like here? Resurrection looks like an invitation to confession of fear and doubt. Resurrection looks like an invitation to draw near, to dare to touch the life that is growing in and around you, in you and in our city. Resurrection says, what's cooking? And it eats before you, eating in the very presence of those who betrayed everlasting life, who were too weak to stop Jesus from dying, the people who believed that Abel's blood spoke a better word, that the blood of violence has the final say. Jesus invites them, hey, let's eat together. We were those same people. And yet resurrection is an invitation to linger in the awkwardness, the vulnerability, and yes, the intimacy and belonging of all of that, and to desire life all the same. It takes a renewed imagination to believe life can overcome death. It takes courage to believe that's not just true generally, but for you, specifically, for you and your story, for your people, for your city, 
We need to open our imaginations to receive a different narrative, a different ending to the story. How many of you right here, right now, want a different ending to your story? Specifically certain parts of your story that are hurting you, that are wounding you, that maybe you even haven't shared with anyone. Do you want a different ending to your story? This gift is real if we choose to receive it. And where we've received the story in part or in only one section of our life, we need to prepare ourselves for Jesus' resurrection in all areas of our lives. Are you ready to receive the gift of the resurrection? The blood of Jesus that mediates every conflict in your life with a new covenant, a new promise that's for your good, truly. Are you ready for Jesus to come to your house, to sit next to you, to ask for fish and say, can we talk about your relationship with your father? I'd like to bring life there. Are you ready for Jesus to come to your house, to sit next to you, to ask for fish and say, I know you prayed for peace for our city, but I feel like you've still been resigned to violence. I, I'd like to bring life there. Are you ready for Jesus to come to your house, to sit next to you, to ask for fish and say, I know you call yourself a Jesus follower, but it doesn't seem like you feel like a child of God right now. Can I bring life there to that place? Are you ready to do the work of sitting at the table, of receiving an invitation that's already out for you? You don't have to do anything for it. It's there already. But are you ready just to sit down at the table? What if receiving resurrection simply means just confessing your fears and your doubts about all of that? Touching and seeing the real work of Jesus in your life and staying in that discomfort long enough to have a meal. Fish, chicken, I'm sure there's a veggie option. Are you willing to sit long enough and be with Jesus? Or is what is normal more comfortable for you? where the blood of violence is so much easier to accept, even if you know it's dangerous, it's shortcuts, the way it feels easier, but has a cost to it. And you feel it's inevitable disaster for you and for everyone around you. I'm so incredibly challenged about this because the good news is right here. But the question is, will we take it? Will we grab it? Will we seize it today? It's so easy to shout, he is risen. But it's hard to believe that we can rise from our own depths. But we can. It's just as true that we can do that. Since he got up, we can get up. Do you believe that? Since he got up, we can get up. We can rise from our own depths, not through our own work, but through receiving an invitation that Jesus has for us. I've become something of a resurrection chaser these days. I look for these stories where the blood of violence is rejected and where the resurrection is centered. It gives me so much hope. I got a resurrection chaser back there. Okay, got one. It gives me so much hope. And here's a few places where I've seen this lately. I see it in my friend, Annabelle, whose parents are around 70 years old. They're uh, Korean. And they had been staying inside because of the pandemic, you know, ordering groceries, ordering takeout, doing that work, just trying to be safe. But then when the attacks on Atlanta happened, when they saw a spike in anti-Asian violence, they said, you know what? We're going to the grocery store today. We're gonna go get a meal today because we wanna say right now that we believe that we can be seen, that we can be known, and we believe our neighbors aren't out to get us. And we have dignity. So we're gonna go outside. We haven't done that because of our own choices, but today we're making a different choice. Let's be seen and see others. Let's move forward and say, I don't believe the worst about you. 
and I'm trusting you don't believe the worst about me. And they went out that day and the days since. I see it in my friend who's choosing to pursue emotional health in costly ways. He's choosing to reject a lifestyle of ghosting, letting relationships become estranged. And he's seen that in his family. He hadn't talked to his brother in years. And he started a practice of picking a day, Friday, I'm just gonna text this friend, text his brother, his actual brother, and just did it again and again. No response, no response, no response, no response, until one day there was a response. And then there was a call. And then there were a few more calls and then finally family gatherings again. Solid life after months of repeated rejection, but there was a kernel of hope of, can I show up differently today? Can I show up with the hope of resurrection, which doesn't mean I'm gonna see what I want, but it means I'm on a pathway of transformation. And he has a reconciled relationship with his brother now. I see it after the murders of Brianna, Ahmad, and George, and an insurrection at our na nation's capital, and a church, our little church, Elm City Vineyard, say, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna focus on nonviolence. And we're gonna do it not because it's a season of life, but maybe that's because what Jesus is actually inviting our community into, to love our enemies, to pursue peace, to do that work, to love our neighbor, not to kill and to bring peace everywhere, even if it feels naive, even if it feels childish. But we're going to do that work together. And we're gonna to witness to the communities that have done it before us. If we didn't start that work, we're going in their steed. I see it in someone brave enough to come to church, given all of the church's mistakes, all of their horrors, to find life in a person named Jesus. And to dare to do that in a community of broken people who are looking for that same life too. If that's you, if you came today, thank you for that. If you kind of have been around but said, I'm not sure if I'm gonna come back in person or I don't know what's going on, thank you for doing that. Of taking that step of courage to see what God will do. When you look for it, we can see the resurrection in glimmers and glimpses absolutely everywhere. But only if we look for it. Since he is risen, we can rise. Through his blood that mediates our entire lives. We can see it today. We can desire it today. Resurrection everywhere. In our families. In our friendships. In our careers. The ins and outs of our lives. The blood of Jesus, the power of the resurrection, speaks a better word than the backdrop of violence. Ours and theirs that anchors and colors so much of our lives. Today, let resurrection not only inspire you, but animate your imagination so you can be honest with where you have fears and doubts in light of the power of Jesus' resurrection to reshape everything. So you can touch and see resurrection in the real places where death is doing a number on you. And so you can sit down and have a meal with the resurrected one himself. Maybe you won't see him, but you'll hear his voice you'll experience the touch of his heart in yours. He could speak life to you, even to some of the darkest places. As we continue to worship together, let's listen to God through a few invitations to next steps, communion, worship, and prayer. Here's three invitations for us today. One, reflect on where you long for a resurrection. Where in your own heart, in your own life, do you long for resurrection, long for newness? And you actually just know that. You're like, I know what he's talking about. I know what area of life I need God to come into. And think about if you're believing a false gospel, a false form of rescue in that part of your life. Confess your fear and doubt to Jesus and see how he meets you. 
You can do that on a walk. You can do that right now. You can do that in a journal entry. Second thing is trust in Jesus' resurrection. Ask for new life there. Ask Jesus for his touch in that area of your life to strengthen you. Actually, pray about that. Say, I know what that area is, but I can't do more work there myself. Can you come in? Can you grab hold of me, Jesus? Can you do work for me where I'm too weak to do it myself? And then actually schedule time. This might sound weird, but schedule time with Jesus to ask for him to speak to you about this area. Let his sacrifice in life speak a better word than your false hope. You can even take out your calendar now. Like, I'm going to do this Tuesday at this time, this time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. It sounds silly, but it actually invites Jesus. It's a step of faith, a small step of trust. The next thing we're going to do together is take communion. This is uh, a meal that we share together. And if you haven't received uh, communion uh, elements, just raise your hand and someone will come and get them to you. We tried to uh, get you on your way in, but we got one over here, a few other people. Communion is a time where we are hungry before God. We are saying we need more of God, more of God's life. We recognize that this body of Jesus was broken, this blood of Jesus was shed, and we decide to consume, to take in that story and experience life and life everlasting. As you take out the elements, I want to pray for us, and then we'll take them together. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come. Would you take this cup that has the bread, that has the juice, and would you change us through it? Would you be our God that gives us life, even in places of death, especially in places of death? So would you, together with me, take the bread the body of Christ. I bless this. Let's take and eat it. And take the juice, the blood of Christ, and drink from it. As followers of Jesus, we share in this meal, and as people who might want to become followers of Jesus, we can take this meal and take in the story of God this life that's for us. We can ask God, would you let that resurrection not just be a day, not just be a moment, would you press it into every area of my life? God, would you do that work right now through your spirit? Be with us as we worship. Come Holy Spirit and have your way. In Jesus' name.